Great. Well, John, thank you again for joining me on Into the Prey. Um, as we were just chatting before we started recording, it's it feels it feels more of a familiar conversation than perhaps it actually is because we've met just over a year ago. I think it was October of last year that we met in your in your local um, church there in Norwich. And as I said to you, I'm not particularly um, I don't particularly like introducing people. I'd rather people do that for themselves. So please welcome. Feel free just to. Give folk who maybe have never heard about the church in Norwich, your ministry in Norwich over decades, maybe you could just introduce yourself. By all means. I was converted way back in 1957, uh, ordained into Christian ministry in 1965, the following year I got married, and uh, in 69 we were very clearly led of the Lord to come to Norwich and had four years in the Baptist ministry. Um, when we were asked to leave because there was a move of the spirit in the church and the deacons couldn't cope with that and uh, we were rooted in Norwich by the Lord and so we've journeyed from there over these decades and I've had the privilege of ministering in Norwich, launching several ministries and also travelling around the country and internationally uh, preaching the word teaching, training leaders, and so on. It's been fruitful, it's been exciting, uh, it's been blessed of God. And now, in these latter years, having just recently lost my wife of 55 years, um, coming mm -hmm. into a new era. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and again, I had the privilege of meeting Doreen briefly with you um, over pizza, I think it was, um, after that meeting um, just over a year ago. And uh, so prayers from this end, John, for you and, and the family. Um, and it's it's your ministry in the word that, uh, as we were joking again a minute ago before we recorded the um, a couple of older sessions that you, you've taken. But you've you've brought ministry and a teaching ministry through the word for a, for a long time. Do you want to just say something about that as by way of introduction? Yes, by when the Lord called me to meet to a preaching ministry he gave me from 2 Timothy um, uh, study to show yourself um, <clears throat> to and uh, uh, able to div rightly divide the word of truth yeah. and uh, ever since then uh, I went through three years in Bible school but I've really learned as most of us do I think on the job being mm -hmm. taught of the spirit uh, growing in insight and understanding and um, just seeking to be obedient to the Lord and faithful to the word and preach the truth to mm -hmm. a whole host of people over the years. Yeah, faithfulness. Plenty of people pick up the Bible these days. Plenty of people um, even talk from the Bible, but how many people are actually faithful and true to it? And I know that's that's a signature burden of your heart. We're, we're going to talk today about... Um, as as I hope Gwil mentioned, um, the book of Ezekiel. 
or the or rather the profit Ezekiel. And obviously, we're not going to go into uh, you know anything like a comprehensive overview of the book or anything like that. But to set the con, <laughs> you'll be you'll be you'll be relieved to hear, John. Yes. Unless unless you have the burden of, of doing that, uh, in which case my time is yours. Um, but it it would be good to um, just remind people because taking on at the beginning of this podcast series the the task of kind of going through quote unquote all of the prophets and that's a quote from Jesus in Luke twenty four of course. Um, it was never going to happen in in its fullest sense. It, it was a it was an unrealistic task, and yet Ezekiel is one of those prophets um, who will probably be quite quite um, foremost in a lot of people's thinking when they think of the Old Testament and they think of the the major prophets as opposed to the minor. And so I don't know. Do you do you want to maybe just share what's on your heart? The the floor is yours, John. Basically. Well, Ezekiel was amazing, charismatic uh, prophet of the Lord in challenging times. And I think as I look back over the years, um, we've, the church in our nation, has slowly sunk into a major decline uh, of major apostasy. And it's my heart in these days to continue preaching the word but to be gathering um, like-minded local people and church groups and ministries to stand on the word and preach the gospel and be true and faithful in these days of shocking declension. Yeah and in that sense the book is very relevant isn't it because of course as with basically all the prophets there is the context of unfaithfulness hence the need of prophets um is there anything in particular in in the ezekiel narrative that you feel is a standout uh distinctive of ezekiel as a prophet that that would help us grapple those those, one of the things we're, we're constantly talking about as you know is that to be faithful today is going to is going to require a willingness to be disrupted you know if you if you're basically not willing to be disrupted from what you've always thought the way you've always done things and so on you're on a hiding to nothing in that sense because ezekiel as with all of the prophets epitomize not only a message of disruption into the nation um of israel but also in a sense embody very very literally um embody that disruption um, physically, you know, one of the things I often think about Ezekiel is the way he had to lie on his sides to the point where his limbs didn't work properly because of, you know, muscular atrophy, for example. Um, you know, and just 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 the bizarre elements of the Ezekiel narrative, um, including feces and cooking with, you know, all, all of these different things that you'll have some... Is there something... I, I don't want to hijack any of your notes there, John, so... If, if you want to go for that first, but I'd love to pull our thoughts, if possible, at some point to the way that particularly Ezekiel embodies the prophetic word to the nation uh, in his actual body, you know, but in his life, a little bit like the way that Hosea's life mirrored the unfaithfulness to the harlot um, people of God. He had to experience something of that himself. Does that make sense? It certainly does. And um, I think that. As you, it's graphically portrayed in Ezekiel and, as you say, Hosea, mm-hmm. um, and they lived 
the prophetic word to demonstrate God's heart and his mind and his will in the situation and in the circumstances. It starts with that graphic uh, vision experience, mm. which, like most of the prophets, marked him from then on as a man of God and a man of the word. And uh, I see beginning of chapter 2 um, that the Lord said, Son of man, t stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Um, and that's the call today to stand up and be counted for the Lord, for his word, to live out that calling and not just to proclaim it so the two are um, integrated yeah. and that the message gets out in powerful demonstration as well as the proclamation. It's challenging, isn't it? Um, because it's it's a reminder, isn't it, how, you know, I think of Galatians 2, this life I live in the body, I, I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave me, you know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And you think of, I think of Ezekiel just in my mind's eye in a cave somewhere lying on his side for three and a half years or whatever the detail was. And it's just this thing, you know, in our in our world today, isn't the church crippled by this reality that, well, Christianity, the calling of the Lord is really just some kind of add-on that improves your life, makes your life better in some way because it gives you a purpose as opposed to um, your life not continuing as it once did. You know, you, you become somebody else's with the ransom of the Lord. Um, go ahead, John. Um, you, is there anything that is particularly from? I know how many chapters are there in this book? There's something like forty-eight chapters, I think. So, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to go through. Um, I'm not going to ask you to go through the whole overview of the book. But maybe there's something in particular that you want to bring. Well, it is that he was speaking so strongly and clearly right into the situation um, fearlessly mm -hmm. um, in adverse uh, circumstances. Um, as I look back uh, over the years when I was converted as a young man of 20, um, there were none of the challenges, or at least to some extent we were asleep to some of the challenges mm -hmm. and the church um, ignored it and carried on carrying on doing what we were doing uh, and but as the the landslide has occurred um, it's I believe the Lord is uh, as he was seeking to do through Ezekiel to his people sifting mm -hmm. the church there's a shaking going on um, that in order that that which may be shaken will be um, removed and that we will receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken Mm -hmm. And Ezekiel, as the other prophet, was standing uh, in difficult times to hold the line, proclaim the word, um, to seek to turn God's people uh, away from their apostasy and their adherence to false gods, their going with the flow of the culture they were living in, and um, God's representative there was speaking loud and clear and how much we need that prophetic word today in the church, which we don't see or hear uh, um, at large in society, even from those who have that opportunity, that scope. Um, yeah. 
one would hope they don't recognize the responsibility, but they don't seem to. Mm-hmm. Yes, just because something has prophecy in it, in the website URL or on the branding doesn't make it um, truly prophetic, does it? Or um, I, I guess one of the one of the more well known parts of Ezekiel's message was regarding dry bones, the valley of dry bones. You know, again, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I think of that. I think of uh, I think it's around about chapter thirty seven where the promises of a new heart and that his laws would be written on our hearts rather than on tablets of stone, that kind of language, um, which, of course, is a precursor, in a way, to the, the valley of dry bones becoming more than just a valley of dry bones. Um, thinking of thinking of the, um, the wealth of your experience over the decades, John, I'm sure you'll have heard... Um, I'm sure you'll have heard the Valley of Dry Bones <laughs> preached about a lot to the point of cliche. Do you, when you look at the church now, do you think what 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 do you think the Lord is doing in regards of that? You know, there's no shortage of dry bones. But in terms of the the prophecy of Ezekiel which was to prophesy not to the bones but to the breath, prophesy to the spirit um that these bones would live again and can these bones live, I guess is the question. Can they live? Well, certainly the grace of God is such that um, he doesn't ultimately give up on us. Um, but I think um, we need uh, to see um, a rising up of men and women, of local bodies of believers and minister, Christian ministries who are alive in the spirit. Um, mm-hmm. They stand on the word and they preach the truth um, because it's the word that still is the power of God unto salvation mm-hmm. to all them that believe. And uh, we it very much feels like today you're speaking into that sort of situation that Ezekiel faced of the dry bones and uh, prophesying uh, into a dead society and it's only that anointing of God that can turn the situation and ch- and t- and change it, so that we will see the the heart longing of the prayers of the faithful coming to pass of God coming to deal with His church and bring repentance and revival, um, which I I certainly believe uh, will still come to pass. I remember in the late 70s, the 80s, being part of the charismatic renewal, being part of the harvest time ministry, and it felt in that time as though revival was coming. Mm. Um, but it didn't uh, produce the result. There are all sorts of reasons um, I probably uh, I wouldn't go into right here. Yeah. Um, but um, we need, again, a moving of God that will bring change. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess... Uh, many like yourself, Nick, and others uh, need to be prophesying into that mm-hmm. in faith, in the power of the anointing of God mm-hmm. to see that turn come about. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people think about prophecy and prophesying and, and tend to think of the likes of, of Ezekiel in the kind of bizarre situations, um, you know, just to be clear, God isn't going to call you to lie on your side f- for three years today. Um, let's hope not 
um, at least. No, I'm joking. But the the dispensation issue here is very important, and we've covered that. I think I'm, I'm trusting that people understand the difference between the Old and the New Testament. But you know, there's lots of people listening, so maybe not. Um, my my point being that there's something odd about the um, again this embodiment of the prophetic message, but it's not it's not the kind of message that is first of all to comfort or to or to woo or to lure into some kind of it's it's just like a it, well it, it's just as as he is in his physical self it's an unpleasant there's an unpleasantness to it isn't there um so today thinking trying to pull that sense of the jolting reality of what it means to be truly prophetic today what what do you think what would you like to hear more of within the church Well, it's standing up to speak truth to uh, power, but also to the church, in using that in a wide, general, uh, generic term, um, and to God's people, um, because um, there's a dearth of the word. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to me that so many churches now, they're preaching uh, a a shrunken gospel it's just part of the truth and not the whole i heard um on a uh, something i was watching on youtube just last night the rabbi mm -hmm. uh, a, a christian jewish rabbi talking about the fact of uh, preaching and what percentages were preached from the varying scriptures and he said there's a great lack of preaching the gospels matthew mark luke and john because it's Jesus is very strong, very clear, um, uh, and it's easier to go to, he was suggesting, Paul with love and grace and mercy and kindness. Mm. Um, but people need to hear the gospel today. Yeah. Um, I think he's making a very good point. That is an interesting point. I've not really thought of it like that. I've not. I've never really thought of Paul being softer than Jesus before. Um, <laughs> it's probably coming at it from the slightly from the wrong angle, isn't it? But, um, but yes, I mean, how how people um, and we're we're just having a chat here, guys listening. So just forgive our. We're not trying to do a comprehensive Bible study. We're just, we're just talking. Um, it's just, it's just an amazing thing to me that the way that people conjure this this kind of Jesus or even this kind of Paul in their own thinking to result in X, Y, and Z that essentially just placates them in their own sin and comfort and godlessness. Basically, where 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 does where do these Jesus and Pauls even come from? Because you have you have to at some point forsake the gospel forsake the gospel and actual scriptures. To to be, to begin to imagine these characters, they're not they're not even close to being real, are they? Mm -hmm. Yes, well, certainly, I'm uh, strongly of the view with Paul that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, and uh, profitable to correct, rebuke, um, mm -hmm. exhort, etc. And that's why we need the the whole word and the whole truth, um, and not the um, sort of reduced. Mm -hmm. truth that it seems that uh, many churches have gone with as they've adapted to the culture mm -hmm. and adjusted their theology and um, just moved away from truth yes See, I, I grew up as a young man and mm -hmm. um, 
in the church and I came to faith in a church that preached the, the word. I went to a Bible college, London Bible College, that was um, some 300 odd young people all there to be grounded in the word with a passionate heart for truth. And I guess, I hope, I pray they're still going strong. Mm. Those of us who are still around right now uh, for the purposes of God before we hand on to others um, that responsibility. And I'm encouraged in the younger people I see and hear of of coming forth uh, that God is preparing um, uh, a body of believers who will uh, progress in the truth. That's our prayer, isn't it? It it really is. Um, And that's our challenge as well, to produce that. Yeah, the, the 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 challenge of leadership. How have you been involved in that over the years, John? How have you seen that come come good? Well, I'm. I mean, it's been my privilege to preach and teach, um, not just lo- in a local body, but in churches across the nation, and uh, to travel to several different countries uh, to run leadership training. Mm. But I think. Um, for me as a young man, a lot of it was I was grounded in the truth by sitting under preaching and teaching ministry week in, week out. Mm-hmm. That created the appetite, um, uh, helped develop the understanding, and then um, being thrown on God. I remember when I started ministry, at first I was a young man who was glad I was no man's uh, curate. Uh, that lasted six months. I was desperate for someone uh, older, more mature to stand with me, mm-hmm. um, um, which I'm pleased to say I have found over the years, but but mm-hmm. uh, to be thrown on God uh, and the Holy Spirit to grow and in the truth in order to communicate that out of life experience too was, um, I guess, my training and development field, and then the privilege to release um, that in all sorts of diverse situations. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting thought there. I mean, I'd love us to come back to this scripture in Ezekiel thirty-seven in a minute. But just talking of mentoring there and that uh, experience you had of finding somebody. Do you? My experience has been not um, hasn't been that. In all honesty, I think for the for the reasons that we're kind of going to come to in this scripture to do with the dry bones and the dearth as you mentioned the dearth of uh, biblical teaching spiritual authority as well I'd put into that category do you thinking of the Ezekiels and the Jeremiah's and the prophet these big prophetic characters do you think they they would have found that kind of mentoring and I, I if you think of um if you think of Elijah and Elisha, there's something there of the mentoring uh, between those two. But thinking of Ezekiel and Jeremiah particularly, and perhaps this is some of the distinctive uh, differences between these prophets, do you think there would have been any kind of solace or encouragement found for the likes of Ezekiel or Jeremiah with somebody of um, a kind of mentoring figure? Or, or, or do you see a... I mean, I see a lack of that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm... I mean, there was the background um, in the priesthood, which must say something about um, for Ezekiel there teaching and training. Mm-hmm. He had the solace of his wife with him, whereas 
Jeremiah didn't have that. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, as I know over many years, um, that's a vital ingredient because it does help bring balance. God joins together diverse personalities to share in, in oneness. Uh, and so I think you, you can't discount that element for Ezekiel <clears throat> that was with him, though um, we all know how the end came for her. Um, yeah. I th but yes, it was a lonely calling for them. Yes. Um, and uh, especially Jeremiah, as you say, the calling to be single, which would be unique mm -hmm. in Israel and uh, in ministry for them. But um, there's a, an element of loneliness for all who are called to ministry, if you're going to be faithful and true, because the ultimate accountability is clearly to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, we all long for that well done, good and faithful servant. We've been where we should be. We've stood where we should stand. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure as uh, having read your book, Body Zero, uh, you perceive but the place of standing when you know you've heard God uh, and you're called to obey whatever else anyone sees or doesn't see mm -hmm. is um, a challenging place to be. Mm -hmm. And there's an extent to which then only God is your mentor. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a powerful answer. I wasn't expecting you to say that at the end, but that, that, that is, that is true. Um, you know, you don't want to conclude from that. To you don't want a martyr's complex to be the result of that, or some or some kind of victim mentality. That's not at all because, you know, he like like Abraham said, you know, he he is our very great reward. You know, when all is said and done, regardless of the land that you choose, um, you know, I just think of Abraham choosing the land that wasn't as fertile or whatever, and it's like everything else pales into insignificance, doesn't it? Um, when he is truly our very great reward, the, the the problem is a lot of the time we don't feel like that. You know, even even for people who have put put you know put your your hand to the plow, you don't always have that sense of feeling his him being a reward. You know, um, there's lots we can talk about here, and it's it's really good to talk with you. I'm just wondering, should we go to the text here? Unless, is there anything particularly that you have have in your mind about the text, or or do you want me to just steer that you you steer it in and i'll join in with you okay well let's go to the let's go to the scripture then okay so i'm in Z ezekiel 37 here um and just i'm just trying to i'm trying to anchor this in scripture but also picking up on some of the things that we've just been discussing and a couple of things that you've mentioned to do with the dearth of biblical literacy spiritual authority ezekiel 37 is this valley of dry bones moment that again can be very familiar to us we need to to beware that but i'm just i was just glancing at there as as we were talking and if you just look in verse 7 there so it says so i prophesied as i was commanded so there's a there's a command within the prophetic you know ezekiel would have been disobedient if he'd not done what he had done if he'd not said what he had said so he was commanded as i and as i prophesied there was a wind and behold so i'm struggling to see this and behold 
Um, there were sinews on them and so on. And it goes through this narrative to do with the way that the miracle took place, that what a vision that was. But the bit that, the bit that just um, caught my attention there was that there was no spirit within them. There was no breath in them. It says that in verse... Is that verse 7? I need to sort my setup here so I can see this bit. Is it verse 8? Sorry. It's here. It says that there's no, sp- there's no breath in them. So there's this... Um, there's this immense picture of a valley full of dry bones and the prophecy that Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy was to the wind was to the spirit not not to the bones it's an odd thing that isn't it because you'd think well you know very much in our charismatic you mentioned the charismatic renewal it's very much speak to the mountain speak to the valley of dry bones but actually Ezekiel was told to prophesy to to the wind to the to the breath to the spirit you know, that word, that Hebrew word is ruach, the breath of God. Um, if we were to apply that today to to the church or certainly the, the pockets of the church that could be related to a valley of dry bones, what what do you think the scripture would, would instruct us there in terms of the command to prophesy um, and the, the, what's characterizing these bones isn't so much that there isn't flesh and sinews and ligaments and cartilage and all these different things on them, but there's just no breath in them. There's there's a kind of there's an there's there's an absence of the ruach, the breath of God. Do you think is that what you mean when when you're um, talking about the lack of a prof, of, of a prophetic word in the church at this hour? Uh, yes, I would think so. By and large, um, I I think. Um, in experience in the past for me I knew I was called to ministry I was taught in the word and committed to preaching the truth but um, I'd been taught soundly as an evangelical that um, you received all of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. there was to receive at conversion mm-hmm. Um I had the training, I had the calling, um, but I didn't have the anointing. And I was six months into ministry uh, in a a local Baptist church. I can't imagine what they were getting from me at the time. (laughs) And it was against my theology Mm -hmm. that the Lord had to convince me um, that in in experience, because I was crying out, stop the world, I want to get off, because... I knew I had a calling and yet I found I'm so lacking with what I need mm-hmm. um, that uh, it wasn't until then I was baptised in the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and went back to preaching. It didn't make me a super preacher or anything, but I had that confidence <clears throat> to continue in the way and I'm still going that way because of that. I think uh, the hope of the charismatic renewal was that across the churches there'd be that turning. Uh, We all know the history of that, but it was Smith Wigglesworth, I understand, who prophesied that Mm. in the last days there'd come a movement that would be the the spirit and the word. And that's the dynamic union that's necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think we have the church at large has the organization, has the structures, they they sing the songs and they have the Bible but it's lacking the power thereof. Mm-hmm. And without a major move of God, which I certainly pray for, believe for, um, 
as far as I'm able to work for, to mm -hmm. see that turning, just as, uh, and praying for God to uh, move in revival, uh, repentance and power in our day, because mm -hmm. without that, uh, we will still be like the, the Valley of Dry Bones. Uh, the organizational structure is there, but with lacking the power thereof. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting direction for this conversation to have gone in, to have thought about that. Um, the, the conversation to do with a, a secondary experience of the spirit post-conversion. Okay, that's obviously a can of worms that we're not going to go to today. But but suffice to say, what how you've just described things as, was my experience as a child. You know, I was talking about this on our teaching series through 1 Corinthians 12 recently just that you know there was a, an early conversion as a child that was undeniable that's when I passed from death to life and yet there was a moment secondary second subsequent to that that where I began to speak in tongues and you know you be, you begin to grapple for language because you're not really sure and this this is maybe something that we could just talk about briefly is to do with the language of faithfulness related to the spirit because I don't know I almost feel triggered a little bit. If you, if do you know what I mean by that, I almost feel a little bit um, uncomfortable with some of the language around faithfulness to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, be because it becomes so synonymous with a certain kind of denomination. You know, even if you talk about revival or renewal or anointing, that word anointing, you you, you tend to think of certain congregations, don't you, or certain parts of the church landscape whereas it should be the bread and butter of every disciple shouldn't it the the anointing um so my question in a waffly kind of way is really is really thinking about um the importance of language um when it comes to seeing something like revival within the church where the spirit of god is truly moving um sorry i've not got me on camera here um what I'm trying to say is that we need to break down some of these stereotypical uses of language that actually are part of the problem in the church not not experiencing the reality of the spirit. You know, it's it's the Pentecostal guys, it's the AOG Elam people. They know how to do the anointing because they talk about it a lot. Um but actually what we're talking about at this point in history is something monumental, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a sense in which we need the Lord to do something by his that only he can do by his spirit um and language often begins to be a problem i think when we even when we come to the scriptures like this because we're used to thinking about power and anointing and revival and renewal and so on in in ways that we we reflect back on rather than hoping that he'll do something new if that makes sense um does that make sense or am i am i floundering um, no, not too much. Um, I, I think the, the danger is, um, in the context we're talking there, it's all too easy to, um, if I can say, back when I was a young man first in ministry, I'd been taught uh, the ABC of the gospel, and uh, I, I preached that, but I never met anyone who came ABC. Mm. They, had, um, 
they would be born again, uh, baptized in water and the Holy Spirit in, at different times, in different ways, unique to each. And it's the, uh, the sovereignty of the Lord moving in lives and through ministries in the way he chooses. And the truth of these things are there in the word, but you can't stereotype it because mm -hmm. that's um, limiting mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. and his ways. Mm -hmm. He's created people individually and personally. They're unique and he works with us all uniquely and through ministries and their giftings and callings. So we can't afford to be trapped into, that's for me, for denominationalism. It's a structure, an organization that's become man-made. Mm -hmm. It's pitched its tent on a truth and on a way of operating mm -hmm. and uh, all too easily then you lose the life of it, the power of it. Yes. And um, it's, it's walking with the Lord into the old argument is the last move of the Spirit is the, uh, the biggest opponent of the new move of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. We need to, like Abraham, journey mm -hmm. and we don't necessarily know whither. We're walking by faith with the Lord into all that he has mm -hmm. in the way he has and not trapping ourselves or others into some stereotypical pattern or way of seeing, viewing, doing uh, things. It needs to have life. It needs the breath of the spirit, life and vitality. Um, may these bones live. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Forgive me. Not at all. No more. Play. You know. No. 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 It, the. I think. I think it has become stereotypical. I think that's why, when you read Ezekiel thirty-seven, you know. I'm trying to be gracious to certain parts of the denominational landscape, but when when you're in a, a AOG Pentecostal, you know those those more Pentecostal denominations, you know you you you're much less likely, I think, to get a faithful teaching of the Scripture of the life of Ezekiel as a whole as opposed to these popular chapters and and so I think the I think the ministry of the spirit of god has become stereotypical and linked with certain churches because of that so that when we come to read Ezekiel 37 today in one sense we're all a little bit disadvantaged because we've heard so many clichéd rehashed sermons about um a valley of dry bones all of, all of the bones coming together and so on and this massive army resulting I think it has become cliched um, but as you just alluded to John I think you know when God does truly do something by his spirit it surely is unmistakable it sh surely it cuts through all of the cliche and stereotypes and hype and froth and some of it's just fake you know I think of some churches and it's just all, all of this chat about the spirit of God as though he was our best friend and yet we're just completely unfaithful to him that's not the spirit of god it may be as a, it may be as a spirit but it's not the spirit of god if you're weeping in worship on sunday night and then showing no interest in the scriptures through the rest of the week or understanding what it means to stand for god today you know um forgive me i'm i'm starting we're, we're winding each other up here john um um but maybe we could finish with this 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 simple hopefully simple question which is to say what do you think it would look like in your mind's eye in on your best day when you're praying your hottest prayer to imagine the lord doing something truly by his spirit in 2021 2022 that sets us right 
you know, denominational stereotypes aside, what what do you think it would look like? Um, and I know you're a man who thinks nationally as well as locally. What what do you think it would look like for God to truly um, move by His Spirit? Well, I'd, I'd take my stand, I guess, initially in the early chapters and the ongoing chapters come to that of, of the Acts of the Apostles um, and reading the history of revivals which are all totally inspirational uh, of, of seeing God move and praying in these days that the fruit of faithfulness to the word and walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit in our day that God would renew once again um, I, for me the ultimate prayer for revival and second coming is um, Jesus teaching us to pray our Father in heaven uh, let your holy name be honoured let your kingdom come mm -hmm. and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven for me that sums up and uh, epitomises everything that's on my heart that's in my prayer that it received because um, we all know when God's name is exalted it changes things that's how we come to Christ when his name is revealed to us his kingdom rule and authority and his will being done on earth the glorious picture is of his will being done on earth as it is in heaven I think that's a fantastic picture yeah. it's my hope it's my prayer it's my daily prayer that that would be so in me in the local church in um, our city uh, and, and so on in ever widening circles and it's um, and I believe if Jesus taught us to pray that way is because he will fulfill that prayer when uh, his people really take it on board and pray believing that it will be so as he taught us to pray yes yeah in other words that god's god will have his way despite unfaithfulness despite confusion despite chaos despite everything he will have his way and of course he will um that's a good that's a good place to finish and we i don't know was there anything else particularly you wanted to say john about ezekiel and, and maybe what jesus might have if G, if if jesus had been thinking and speaking about ezekiel what do you think the the main thing would have been well um I'm not sure I'm up to taking on what Jesus might have thought, but I, mm. I would go to Ezekiel 47 and the river that brings life wherever it flows. Mm -hmm. That's the, the passion that out from the throne of God um, would throw that river that um, will transform um, the, the local church, the local community, uh, our city, um, uh, as we've seen demonstrated in history over the centuries the reformation revivals that uh, in our day and age um the old saying i forget who said it is the the darkest hour is the hour before dawn that's my prayer mm -hmm. that while i'm still here uh, in my mid-80s that i will yet see that uh, flowing of the river of life that brings transformation uh, i don't believe god's purpose for this nation is finished I believe our calling uh, as it was demonstrated over the centuries of uh, reaching the world for Christ mm -hmm. with the missionaries that were sent off across the globe with amazing impact uh, I believe that's something of our major national calling 
And my prayer is that God will so move amongst us that we'll not only return to the rock of our foundations, but also uh, the new generations coming up will be sent out into all the earth once more um, because of what God has done here at home for us as the church in this nation. Mm-hmm. Amen to that, John. Um, I, re- I read a lovely quote recently to do with hope. It was, it was one of the most uh, the loveliest quotes I've read to do with that, to, to do with faith or hope before, which is along the lines of faith or hope is like a is like a bird that understands that understands the dawn and has learnt to sing before it's got light. You know, that's a lovely thought, isn't it? I think that's you know, we should we should be like that, I think, as the people of God, despite the, the chaos and the confusion. Um just wondering, would you would you pray for us, John, just to close? I certainly will. Thank you. Father, I thank you that it is this day, this hour, these times that you've called us. Called us to your kingdom purposes. Called us to be your people and to stand for truth and righteousness and God in these ungodly times. I thank you that you've not left yourself without a witness and without a testimony. Mm. I thank you that you're not thrown, taken aback by all that has happened and that you are refining and purifying your church Mm. once more to bring forth the church that represents you knows itself to be called according to your purposes Mm. and is faithful to you to walk in your way to do your will so that your name and glory should be manifest once more in these days Mm. while we wait for that blessed hope the glorious appearing Mm. of our great god and savior jesus christ Mm. in whose name we pray yes lord amen amen yeah, Lord, we we do thank you for the the promise that by the power of your Spirit we can not only hope but overflow with hope, and that that in itself is a work of your Spirit that can't that can't be faked. Truly, can't be faked. Ultimately, you will have your genuine, authentic, perfect way. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, so we we pray now for the church in Norwich. We pray for the churches in Norwich more widely and we pray for every congregation in this nation across all of the, the towns, villages and cities. And we ask that you would move in that way by your spirit so that there would be true prophetic unction within your people, the kind of prophetic unction that prophesies to you, speaks, pleads, intercedes with you, so as to see you truly move by your spirit as a result. Lord, we're sick and tired of of um, hype and 
things that uh, claim to be you, claim to be um, the work and the, the evidence or the demonstration of your spirit or of the kingdom, but that is manifestly not. And so, Lord, we pray now, even in this moment, that there would be something like the moving of your spirit across these islands, Lord, across this part of the world that you have put us. And Lord, as John said, that there, where there is heritage, where there have been seeds sown in blood, that you would honour those um, testimonies and previous lives in, in decades and centuries before and that you would have mercy. That's what we pray, Lord. We, we pray, please have mercy on the United Kingdom, Great Britain and Ireland and these surrounding nations in Europe. Please have mercy that your people again would understand what it means to be flawed before you as the only priority that's appropriate and fitting at this hour. Lord, we pray that there would be um, a surrendering of previous points of reference and a surrendering of um, even allegiances to um, theological education and relationships that are hindering faithfulness. Lord, we pray that there would be a, um, just a willingness to do whatever it takes to see you move in power by your spirit. And, and Lord, in that sense, we say thank you for your mercy and your grace. And we say, please, as, however you would lead us, lead us to be faithful, lead us to be a, a faithful prophetic um, presence wherever we are and I thank you for John thank you for the team in Norwich and I pray that you would bless them with that great grace of being prophetically accurate and switched on for your glory we do pray Jesus come Lord Jesus Maranatha Amen